any time at all. I've heard sermons and and different outlines on on this, but uh, when I was writing down these some some notes, I I thought you know we take the subject the will of God, but then in uh, Romans uh, chapter twelve verse one and two. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he said in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I, I personally believe it's so important that we keep our mind clear and we never know what's going to happen. I think I told the church Sunday that about everybody, uh, you know, said, well, you know, she lived longer with cancer, you know, but it, the cancer wasn't what, what took her out. It made her weak, and it tore down. It made her look at life as it's not worth living. But uh, you know, my greatest fear is, and the reason I'm studying here, the will of God. It was the exact will of God for her to get up, go to the kitchen, get some water, walk down the hallway, and. Uh, right in front of the doorways asked me to help her and she fell in my arms she died in my arms and I lowered her to the floor you know uh, to me that's much better than for me to come back from church and see her in the floor you know or or something but uh, it was the will of God that everything that happened that night happened exactly the way it happened. One of the most difficult things in Christian life is to know and and to do the will of the Lord. You know, we didn't reach well this God's will for me to do this, God's will for me to do do this, and and that's a good start. But how often in our lives have we been confronted with this fact? trying to know the will of the Lord. And, you know, anytime we go purchase any item that costs, you know, several thousand dollars, I want to know what God's will is. I mean, maybe that's foolish for a lot of people, but I've got a certain dollar amount. I don't purchase that unless I absolutely dare need until I get the okay from the Lord. And he'll let you know. You know. But uh, I know it was the will of God that she was to the point where she no longer could take the pain. And, uh, and we've gone to all the doctors and one of them I won't discuss. But... Uh, when I left his office, uh, we weren't on the same terms as we were when I w- went in. 
And I understand the pain problem, people getting pain pills when they really don't need it. But uh, when somebody asks, you know, who took care of her medicine? Make sure she took it on time. And I said, you're looking at it. I know how much she took. I know when she took it. And I don't want you and nobody else putting somebody who's got cancer and, and in pain or got broken bones or been in a, you know, anything, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just not necessary. My way out is that I believe it was God's, it was the will of God. Everything in our life for the last 45 years, 55 years, you know, uh, God permitted, you know, some things he permitted because he ordained it, other things he permitted because you're going to learn from it. God allows things to happen in our life. There's no other way we can learn except we experience that, you know. But it was the will of the, of the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3 and verse 35. Mark, you know, when we look at the word of God and we see here in the third chapter of, of Mark in the 35th verse God said for whatso that who, for whosoever shall do the will of the, God, of the God and notice for whosoever shall do the will of God that same is my brother and my sister and my mother if every one of us truly save and we are in the will of God, God saved us and he's keeping us here because we can influence somebody. You can influence by saying or you can influence by acting. But we're all here for a reason, for a purpose. And when that time is out, Nothing's going to take us out until the Lord says, come up hither. Whether we've been in a coma for a month, we've been in a hospital, it makes no difference. That final breath was by the eternal will of the Lord. So in this verse, we can really see that we can do the will of God. You know, when you uh, read... Mark chapter 3 and verse 35, you know, he said, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. But it also states on a secular teaching that we ought to strive to be there for our earthly brothers and sisters. And sometimes strangers let you do more than your family will. Nothing you can do about that, but but uh, you know. So as we get into this short study, you know, and uh, we'll see the text presents at least three things that I wish to address you on this afternoon in helping 
you to see how to find the will of God for your life. You know, if I've been asked the last week by people on the phone, by texting, are you still going to preach till the last breath leaves my body? I may not pastor somewhere. I don't know. They may get tired of me, but I won't stop me from preaching. I believe when God tries you to preach, you preach. But here in our text, in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, you know, it talks about to whom we make this presentation to. It's unto the Lord. You know, God makes the claims upon us because we are bought with a price. You know, when, he's, when he says in our text in, in Romans you know, chapter 12, and I think we read that and overread it or underread it, whatever we, we do. But God is very clear here when he simply says, I beseech is I plead with you. You know, you should take your kids after, you know, ask them to do things and they won't do it, and you to get in that child's face, I beseech you, listen to me. You know, so God is saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, this is a, not in my outline, but you know why he's talking to brethren? You think a lost person is going to follow him? They can become better morally people than saved people. You would never know it, you know. But he's talking to brethren. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he presents your body a living sacrifice. I'm living but I'm not doing as a way of life what I want to do. Exactly what that, that verse teaches. He said, you know, I, I present to you by the mercies of God that he present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is those mercies? He merciful gave his life that I may live. You know, we're not doing it for each other, but we, we are to preach because, you know, if you can't help the person you see, how can you believe the person you have not seen? You know, and I don't see how anybody can, uh, you know, as uh, Brother Hunley's youngest daughter, she's the only one in the family living now, you know, and she called me and, and it blessed my heart. We resonated about her, Brother Hunley, when we were in the hospital together and the the two revivals he held for me and, you know, giving him strawberries and breaking them out, you know, everywhere. But, you know, those are good memories, you know. And uh, so God is saying here, you know, and he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you know, it talks about for we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit with our gods. You know, we would, wouldn't want somebody to come to us and say, you know, uh, we're going through a lot of stuff at our house, but, you know, I don't want somebody coming in and telling me, you know, now that your wife is gone, you don't need this, you don't need that, you need this. You know, why? It, it was ours. We are there. You are there. You tell me what I can can do. 
If there's nothing you want to do today, that's all right. You know. But God is saying, you know, here in his, his word that uh, we're bought for ye are bought with a price and therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. And you know what a lot of people say? I keep him in my mind. I don't see that here. Shall we keep him in our minds? Certainly. But if we're going to glorify God, if I'm going to show this church that I love him, it's not enough to say, church, I love you. You know that, don't you? It's what do we do? What do we sacrifice? So God is saying, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. That's where the thinking comes in. When you begin to think what you shouldn't think, he's saying, change subject. Change subject. He said, and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, we've got a body, a soul, and a spirit. We know what the body is. We sometimes have a hard time separating the soul and the spirit. But if your body is acting like a child of God, your spirit will follow. Because it will happen in the spirit first. Why does God want our bodies? Well, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, he presents your, your bodies to live in sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and be not conformed, he goes on. Then in verse 3, he said, For I say, through the grace is among you, not to think of himself more highly than, you know, but to think overly according as God would dealt. And in other words, I've heard preachers or different people say, you know, God gave me the gift. I just know what to say. Well, I think there's times when you don't know what to say. You know, I remember when I went to Brother Bill's funeral and, you know, and Sister Mary, how did I said, you know, I want to say a lot of stuff, Mary. I just can't say it. And she hugged me. She said, you've already proved to Brother Bill that you love me. You know. We do it while we're living. Why does God want our bodies? Because it is the seat of our sinful desires. You know, I've heard Christians say, you know, I never think about this, never think about that. And the only thing I say is that, you know, I don't argue with them, but you must be a super Christian because from time to time I have thoughts come to my head that if you knew about them, you would be ashamed. I think we're all that way. Now, I've talked to people, I've been saved 30 years, I've never had an evil thought, and I drove back to, to my dad. Uh, you say that, you'll lie about other things. How can this body be your enemy and never cross you? This body is your enemy. Right. Nothing about this body is going to glory. But we remember, and, and I said it 
to the field of director. I said it to a lot of people that came up. I, I, you know, I know it's a, a corpse, but I could look in that casket and know who it was. It looks just like her. I've been to funerals. If I didn't know who it was, I wouldn't know who it was. So that's a blessing. Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, still talking about the will of God, he said, Know ye not that your, your bodies are the members of Christ? You know, we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want him to bless you, you must yield to him. It's just that simple. It's, it's really not complicated. It's harder to do, but God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse uh, <coughs> chapter 6 and verse 15, you know, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? What's he saying? I mean, I think it's so clear. He said, I bought you. I created you. You belong to me. Now he says, you know, just, I ask this a simple question here in 1 Corinthians 6.15 when he said, Knowing not that your bodies are the members of Christ. We're part of Christ. Why? Because this body tonight is still my enemy, but the Spirit of God lives in me. And if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. So if we recognize that I can't stop doing this, I can't stop saying this in the body, because the body wants me to. But the Spirit that lives in me and you know, will not, will not lead me to tell a lie. It will not lead me to argue with somebody when I know that they're right and I'm wrong. I mean, it's just a number of things. It's why Christ said it's expedient, it's necessary. If Christ had not went to heaven, we wouldn't have a lawyer in heaven and the Spirit wouldn't be in us to teach us. Now, I always, every once in a while, and I've done it so much, I probably shouldn't any anymore. If the same spirit is in me, is in Sister Jean, Sister Henrietta, it's the spirit going to teach all three of us truth, right? Amen, Brother Johnny. Amen. The spirit is not going to teach us there. So we should all be in a dreaming with the scriptures, but a four-year-old not going to have the understanding as an adult, you know. So that's why that if we go to James, he would tell us, you know, uh, the will of God is for us to grow in grace and knowledge. He's not happy with us, but yet we expect him to continue to bless us when we are not growing. He says, grow in grace and in knowledge. 
I think that when you get to a point, I take them myself. You know, I when I moved over to Carlisle, I could run to the mailbox and run back up the hill. I can't run down the hill now. And sometimes I don't know if I'm going to make it up the hill. Why? The body is weaker. It's, it just gets weaker. And the better you take care of it when you're young, of course, you're going to have a better chance of it working longer. But I don't care what your lifestyle is, your body is getting weaker and your spirit should be stronger. But I feel when I talk to a lot of Christians, they have not left the first grade. They're saved. They know they're saved. But they have no desire to know what God's plan is for their life. You're still here because God has something you can do nobody else can, can do. I mean, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't think that Dora knew more about the Bible than me, but although she may have, but there was something that drew all the ladies down there in Georgia to her, you know, and I wanted to get a flag and said, Pastor Vance, you know. <laughs> but God leads you to who they want, he wants you, you know. You have a lasting impact. The third thing that we looked at, you know, in verse 1 is these reasonable of this request. Is it unreasonable for God to say, you know, in our, in our text here, is it unreasonable for him to say, I beseech you or I plead with you? You know, I remember when, when Anthony was growing up, he was the worst of, of the three in minding, you know, and you would have to plead with him. I'm begging you, son. What you're doing is is hurting your mother, it's hurting yourself, you know. But at a young age, you know, I was there. But as we grow older, it's not about us. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's going to be some severe weather before the Lord comes back. I guarantee you that. Because the Bible says it will be. But the reasonable, reasonableness of his request is, is what the Lord wants us to do to do, wants his people to do, this is the first step to knowing and doing the will of the Lord. If you and I are not willing to submit ourselves to the Lord, you know, you know, I throw this in, it has nothing to do with the message except we all got different desires. You know, I average about a Bible study, you know, you sent off and they takes about six weeks to finish them and they'll give you a little certificate. But, I mean, I, 
I think that's, that's a way of keeping, keeping fresh, you know. And it also teaches you what not to believe and what not to approach. But if we think that we can reach people by just saying, I'm saved and there's a church out here, we're fooling ourselves. It won't happen. But God said, you know, the first step to knowing and doing the will of the Lord is if, if you and I are not willing to submit ourselves to the Lord, then we will spend a lifetime searching and trying to find what the will of the Lord is for my life. Jesus Christ called me in to follow him, made it very clear that sacrifice was absolutely necessary. And I think that the writer used the right word, sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. You know, I mean, you, to take our church, how many people drive a half hour, you know, longer? You know, they do that because they believe this is where God wants them. But the, the neighbors or people may not say something, but when they find out about it, there are no churches here in Scott County. There are no churches in Pendleton County. What sure there is. But God wants you in a certain church. I believe that that's just the way it is. Luke 9, 23 said, and he said to them, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, Luke 9, 23 is a good verse. That's how we can follow the Lord. You know, and he said to them all, if any, will come after me. So it, it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian. You know, and, and the closer you have a desire to be with the, the Lord, the harder it's going to be on you. But, I mean, he was very clear when he said that. He said to them all, if any man, that's mankind, will come after me, let him deny himself first. You've got to deny yourself for a person to go to work that he don't feel like it, he's sick, he hates his job, but he's got a wife, maybe a homesick, he's got babies, that's not an option. You don't think about it. Why did, do you do it? i tell you the reason I did it. I hated my job for 15 years. Work on assembly line, you know. You know, I just hated it. But I had a wife and one child and another child along the way. You do it for them. So what about, you know, if you can't, Witness to somebody through what you say, you got to witness by being different. And I'm not so talking about wearing certain clothes, you know. You know, but that's the the way it is. You know, we we uh, got to deny ourselves. So he said, you know. 
contrary to modern thinking, this does not mean that you have to become some kind of a morbid individual. Neither does it mean that we are set a standard and try to reach it and feel like we have failed if you don't. You know, if every time I fail to reach my goal, I mean, I would have failure written all over me. It's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get up. It's how many times do I keep going, you know. means to shape one's mind and character after the pattern pattern of another. You know, I believe this statement, you know, probably stronger than some, or maybe I just think I do, but I think that what we watch, what we read, who we associate with, they shape you. They shape you. You know, I, I personally, you know, that little stupid show, and I, all of you may watch it if you are, but don't tell me. But the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, you know, they're getting up there and making sex right on television, telling our young people, it's, it's good. And then if you happen to mention that, you know, like I did over to Grace one day when I was teaching the young girls, they said, you know, you go into a public swimming hole, you need to wear a bathing suit and, and that little thing you put over your breast and little thing you put down there, that don't cover nothing. And you hear the daddy says, he's not your daddy, he's just a preacher. If that man is lost, he's going to burn in hell and his daughters are going to grow up to disappoint him. God said, because of what the world will do to us as a Christian, you know, I'm sure that, you know, uh, if you're, you know, some people are nice to you because you, they know you're a Christian. But, uh, there's a being nice because you represent everything they want to be and can't be until they surrender themselves to the Lord. It's not that anybody can be a faithful Christian, can be a blessing, but you've got to choose. And that's what he said, choose ye this day whom he will serve. It's a daily choice. You know, re-dedication. That's nice. I look forward to it. What you're saying, I'm going to do every day what I said when I walked the aisle and I thought I was, you know. It's an everyday experience. You can't uh, love, you know, he said in 1 John 2, 15, 16, you know, love not the world. Love not the world. If I love Dora the way I suppose I love Dora, she's the one. He said, neither the things that are in the world, the average, the things in the world, most of them will draw you away. And I'm not telling somebody that can't, you know, you know, that's, that's between you and the Lord. 
but the more gadgets you have, the less you're going to read. The more gadgets you have, the more you're going to, you're not going to spend family time. Told probably was out of place, but you know we usually have Thanksgiving dinner over to Kim's, and you know it's 25 or 30, and and lights for Thanksgiving. I looked, and we're all here to fellowship. Everybody had a fun one. Why would you drive from Lexington to see me if you just stay in Lexington and talk on the phone? So you come to church to worship. So we got to keep our mind, our body under control because I've had a problem right in the pulpit. So have you, if you be honest. You start leaving the sermon and your mind is everywhere. So before we get service started, service, we ought to ask God. Help me keep my mind where it ought to be. You know. Because the world is enmity against the Lord. You know, I mean, God is very plain. One, I guess the reason that uh, I stick to just the King James Bible or just plain scripture over books about the book is because he... uh, makes it very clear. Notice James chapter 4 and verse 4. He said, Adulterers and adulteress, knowing not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Now, isn't that amazing? that, you know, if someone is, as a way of life, is unfaithful, we said, you know, we we can't have that. But it started up here. It started, what those eyes seen, what those ears heard. And, And God said, ye adulterers and adulterers, knowing not, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be my friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, you know, uh, I've got my opinion on those things, and everybody has, but, but you know, when, when the world becomes over God, when, when you've got to, drive four hours to see a rock star or a country star on a Saturday night and don't get home to five o'clock next morning, you're not able to go to church, you committed spiritual adultery, whether you like it or not. That's that's a fact. If I put some other woman before my wife, I've committed adultery. I put something before Jesus Christ, I've committed spiritual adultery. And God is very clear. you you keep committing adultery in this life and God will take you out or he'll make you wish you were taken out. Spiritual adultery, he'll take you home. Premature deaths. Well, there's nothing wrong with him. We know he's healthy. He's just 
Well, we can't see inside that person. But God gives us the diagnosis. He's not saying never have any fun, never go anywhere. And lastly, transform, you know. He, 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 he tells us that means he transfigure one's mind. I mean, that's exactly what <coughs> Romans chapter uh, 12 is all about. When he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, of mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How can you change your body and make your body do what it ought to be? It starts up here first. That's what he said. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. First, that body's got to be holy, acceptable unto God. Didn't say anything about being, you know, without sin. This, this body is sin. It's all his body knows is sin. And then he said, be not conformed to this world. Now, think about that. In my Bible, I got conformed to yellow. I use yellow markers for certain words. He said, be not conformed. That means it didn't just happen overnight. You ever work with clay? Starts out a hunk of clay. And our body, when God saves us, man, we clean. But a little bit of the world, a little bit of the world, and, and our body becomes on a different shape. We don't change in physical looks, you know. You can't tell walking down the street, you know, who's an alcoholic and who isn't necessarily. But God said that you need to transfigure your mind. You'll never become what you want to be until you stop thinking the way of yesterday. I mean, that's the greatest advice anybody can give anybody. We got to think different. You know, first thing that that a school teacher. Tradeland taught school for for a year, you know. You know, why didn't you talk her to go back? So when they're calling, I was disappointed that she became a teacher the first time, but I didn't try to talk her out of it. Why? Because you can't teach what is right. You got to teach all that garbage. I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I've never been a woman. Now, she had got to be in the fourth, fifth grade before it knows whether it's a man or a woman, and, and your teacher's taking tax money teaching that. And we said, well, you know, well, what? God said, means to transfigure one's mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that he presents your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the thing you ought to know. God is not going to ask Andrew to do anything that's unreasonable or me or any of us. Now, we may want to do something ourselves and we're disappointed because we're, you know. You know I had a, my computer was all messing up, advertisements up, up and down the side of it, you know, and Michael, the boy, the, 
granddaughter's engaged to. He came in, looked at it. He said, you want to fix it? Uh, he said, you want me to fix it? I said, do you know how? Well, 90 seconds later, it was back to normal. I said, I may keep you in the family. <laughs> you know, I can't do that. You know, what little I know, I've, I forgot, you know. But it's a daily thing. I mean, so, so when we look at this, the will of God. What is the will of God? And we automatically think, well, uh, you know, I don't know what I want to be. Do I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a farmer? That's not what he's, he's asking. What is the will of God? The will of God should be that he wants us to be conformed to his son. We're never going to reach where we are. But, you know, you can't learn to do something you don't know how to do unless you do it. And, and God has blessed some people, you know. You know, I, and I'll close with, with this. I've got a place in my study, and I've got a certain picture of my wife, and, and you know, and, you know, if I had to do like Mike could do to take that picture and transform it to a paper, but I can't do that. I don't know how to do that, you know. But that's a talent, that's an ability that God has given Mark. He said, God, you know, you've got some, you've got some, everybody's got some, and so we're all pieces. And when God adds you to the church, every piece fits together. Amen. Not everybody's the same, you know. So it, it saddens me when, uh, well, I won't be here t tonight, but, you know, uh, I don't contribute anything to the church. And why are you here? You're saying God made a mistake. Preaching is better. The spirit is better when everybody's here. And nobody wants nobody to come and stay. But uh, that's all I have. But it was uh, it was a blessing to me. I'm made this the day after my wife passed away and I said Lord all I want to do I want to do I want to continue to do what you want me to do it'll be harder but uh, I'll do it our Heavenly Father we thank you for this day we thank you Father for the privilege to be in your house with your people we know that you are the supreme ruler of this universe. But more than that, Lord, I recognize and I accept you're the ruler of my body, my life. And no matter what comes my way, if I depend on you, it may not turn out the way I want it, but it will turn out the way that will please you. We ask you, Father, to bless the many on our prayer list that are sick, and we're thankful that some are getting better. We're thankful, Father, that you're still on your throne. We ask all this in your blessed name. Because of you, we are. Amen. And may God bless you.